Good morning. Good afternoon. Good evening. And good night. Merry Christmas. Happy holidays. Happy holidays, yes. Tis the season, episode 17. Of Myth Takes. Yep. I'm Allison. Myth take. It's Myth Take. It's myth not take. Myth Takes, you see. Okay. That was some part of another issue we had. But it's Myth yeah. Take, right? Singular. Yeah. Um, episode I'm, 17. I'm Are Allison. You? Oh, yeah. And, and I'm Darren. Yeah, yep. okay. We uh, we've got that established. <laughs> we usually forget to introduce ourselves. We do forget to uh, introduce so ourselves. So this is our last episode of 2016. Mm-hmm. And thank you very much to all of our listeners who have been with us from the beginning it's or who are just joining us now. True. It's been a long time coming. Yeah, it's over 17 hours of us talking. <laughs> I've confused I've confused myself tonight because, you know, we jumped the rope on the last episode. We jumped in. We threw Helen in as wild card, mm-hmm. and I got all discombobulated. But this Dan Era episode has been a long time coming because we've been thinking about talking about Dan Era for over a month now, mm-hmm. and we finally got to her. And you know what? To be honest, we could probably do three episodes with the ideas that we've got floating around. So we're going to get things moving. Yes. Right? Okay. Yeah. So, Dan Era. Who is Dan Era? Well, we don't really know. Do so, we? um, we'll give you, well, we've got to give our audience a little synopsis of, of, of the myth before we get going. Well, what's our primary source today? Our primary source is Sophocles, oh, Trachinii, okay. Women of Trachis. Okay, cool. Written about 440, 430 BCE, somewhere in there in the 5th century. Great play. Yeah. Um, An often overlooked play. Tragic. Of course, <laughs> not particularly a che- not a particularly cheerful note to end uh, the twenty sixteen season on. No, and oddly enough, it doesn't really deal with Sophoclean uh, heroic themes like what you would expect. Um, so it's a bit of an oddball in his canon, as far as I'm concerned. Um, but it's it, you can find it if you look cl- close enough, if you read between the lines, right? And we are good at reading between the lines. Oh, we hope. And <laughs> we hope. Sometimes. Um, well, this one, you never know with the way things have been going. It's all good. So, Dan Nera, the mm-hmm. second wife of Heracles, mm-hmm. and um, last wife of Heracles. And actually, I'm not going to say too much about the myth because I think the passages that we picked describe it pretty well, um, her story. So do you want to just want us to just delve in? Yeah, we could do that. I, you know, there's really not a lot to say about about Danaera as a mythological figure, other than you know, unfortunately, she is married to Heracles. Her mother, her brother is Meleager, which is kind of neat, right? That's often overlooked. Um, her father, Oneus, is mentioned in here. Uh, I think the mother's name is Alethea or something like that. And um, yeah, it, she's other than this sort of connection with her heroic husband. There really isn't a lot that we would expect. But Sophocles is cagey, and he's going to use Danera to explore his theme, right? Mm-hmm. So uh, let's let's have a look at, at this hero at home. All right. So our first passage that we're going to look at today is from the prologue, which is the very beginning of the play. It lets us know what's going on. Yeah. So lines 1 to 48. It was long ago that someone first said, You cannot know a man's life before the man has died. Then only can you call it good or bad. But I know mine before I've come to death's house, and I can tell that mine is heavy and sorrowful. While I still lived in Pluron, with Oneus my father, I conceived an agonizing fear of marriage. 
No other Aetolian woman ever felt such fear, for my suitor was the river Achelos, who used to come to ask my father for my hand, taking three forms, first clearly a bull, and then a serpent with shimmering coils, then a man's body but a bull's face, and from his clump of beard whole torrents of water splashed like a fountain. I had to think this suitor would be my husband, and in my unhappiness I constantly prayed for death before I should ever come to his marriage bed. But after a time, to my joy, there came the famous Heracles, son of Alcmena and Zeus. In close combat with Achelous, he won the contest and set me free. I do not speak of the manner of their struggles, for I do not know. Someone who watched the spectacle unafraid could tell. I sank down, overwhelmed with terror, lest my beauty should somehow bring me pain. Zeus of the contest made the end good, if it has been good. Chosen partner for the bed of Heracles, I nurse fear after fear, always worrying over him. I have a constant relay of troubles. Some each night dispels, each night brings others on. We have had children now, whom he sees at times, like a father working an outlying field, who sees it only when he sows and when he reaps. This has been his life that only brings him home to send him out again, to serve some man or other. Now he wins through to the end of all his labors, and now I find I am more afraid than ever. Ever since he killed the mighty Iphitus, we, his family, live here in Trachis, as strangers' guests, forced to leave our home. But no one seems to know where Heracles himself can be. I only know he's gone and left with me a sharp pain for him. I am almost sure that he is in some trouble. It has not been a short time. First a year, by now still more, and there has been no word of him. Yes, this tablet he left behind makes me think it must surely be some terrible trouble. Often I pray the gods I do not have it for my sorrow. Well, there you have it. Good. Day and era. Well, what do you think about after you hear that? Right? She's not an optimistic <laughs> sort. <laughs> Not really, not with a name like that, right? No. That doesn't bode well either to what what things may happen, right? May or may not happen. So right? I'm going name. to guess the name Deionero. So that would be day like the negative day? No. From Greek? Be Deinos. Right? Oh, Deinos. Yeah, to slaughter or slay. Slaughter. Ah. Uh, right. Manslaughter. Yeah. Killer, yeah. Man killer. Man or, or honor could be husband too, right? Depending on how you use it, right? Oh, yes. So it, it's not, you know, if you're picking brides based on the names, this is one you might want to stay away from, right? Not very optimistic. <laughs> not particularly optimistic. But uh, anyways, that's the name, right? So often these characters in, in Greek mythology have telling names that give us insights into their character and what role the gods may have or what, what role the gods may have in fate and destiny and so on, these types of things, right? So that adds another interpretive element. But anyways, there she is, right, in the prologue and all her temerity and fear, mm -hmm. right? And, and I think those are, this is something that really um, comes to the fore when we look at a character like Deonera as a, as a hero. And, and this is why we're doing these heroes at home. Obviously, the story is about uh, Deonera, it is called the women of Trachis. There's been a convention in Greek uh, naming. We don't really who knows who gives them the name. Some late or some you know 
scoliest or somewhere somewhere uh, but they often are named by uh, by the chorus named mm -hmm. after the chorus so we have you know the libation bearers for example and we have here the women of trachis and the women of trachis are the chorus in this particular play but it could have just as easily been called Deonera or the wife of Heracles or something right mm -hmm. so titles are no real indication of content and that's been my experience with Greek tragedy and I think this is something that, that we've come to understand as well. But let's look at the prologue. What's your reaction to that? Um, well, as I said, she's not a particularly cheerful, cheerful sort. No. Um, it really strikes me reading it, and especially reading it aloud, yeah. the number of times that we see throughout this play, and especially, um, uh, no, just I'm just going to say throughout this play, okay. <laughs> um, words about sorrowful and fear and... Sure. Um, terrible things and mm -hmm. um, just a lot of language about anxiety mm -hmm. um, and Daenerys' fear. But you kind of can't blame her. She's had a rough start. I mean, she was she was pledged to marry this river monster, mm -hmm. and so you see her um, marriage being a rite of passage, something that should be happy and joyful. Um, Although it's not always depicted that way in myth, no, but it's often. But but there's lots of examples where it's seen as something that's happy or a joyful occasion, yeah. and here, she's dreading. That's not it. the case. Yeah, it's the source of much of her angst. You know, you 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 mentioned that word before, and I've talked about heroic angst. I've talked about the fear that uh, the fear and often the wrath that's generated on the male side of heroics. Um, that um, is generated by with this term that that I use called heroic angst. And heroic angst is about the hero's relationship with death. And when you read Deonera, you get a really good glimpse into her psyche that she is a fearful uh, young girl, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and, and she is now a mother and a wife. They do have a child. Uh, she is alone. She is isolated. Uh, and um, But she does have a genuine care for Heracles, right? As, uh, uh, that can be detected in the play in the tone of the play um, but um, this betrothal right and this history um, is uh, a source of great angst for her consternation right a source of fear uh, it's the the prologue talks about um, it describes events uh, but they those events are not seen mm -hmm. because Danera cannot look upon them mm -hmm. so she reports about what had happened she's right? overwhelmed with terror yeah she has to look away right and 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 like you said it is no small detail right that uh, Dana herself uh, was courted by this river god Echolus right who has a rather a triple bodied kind of you know he's 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 nasty like he's a bull right mm -hmm. uh, and that doesn't bode well right with a bull sh showing up uh, who wants to <laughs> marry your daughter and then a coil a large coiling serpent right that is another thing that you don't like and then this hybridized bull man thing with this mm -hmm. watery beard all of them are frightening monstrous images right um, and uh, they're coming from a sort of dark uh, psyche uh, uh, where you know that are associated with uh, things like death and dread, right? Transformation and so on, right? Uh, all sources of, of male power, maybe and virility and whatever, right? I, I don't mm -hmm. want to delve too much into that, but it, again, it's not the typical you know uh, neighbor, right? Who's coming to ask you know for your daughter's hand in marriage? Well, and he's not somebody you can really say no to. No, 
right? And it seems to have been, it mentions a, a betrothal or a courtship. So it's not an abduction and it doesn't happen quickly. So this is a long process that generates lots of psychic trauma for a young girl who has yet to be a bride or yet to be a mother uh, at this at this point, right? And these this this type of thing manifests themselves, right? Mm -hmm. uh, in her in her temerity and in her fear and in her angst. Now, unlike male heroes, her fear does not transform into into anger or wrath, right? She channels it in a, in a different way that we'll talk about, right? It it changes her fear acts as a motivation for action, which of course is heroic, but. Um, it doesn't turn into into to wrath. And right? even that like is different from some of the female heroes. And of course, I'm thinking yeah. of Medea, my favorite, who's, who <clears throat> is very much a wrathful, vengeful um, woman. Yes. We never, in the course of this play, see Daenerra mm -hmm. take on that, that role. She's yeah. um, compassionate and she um, tries to be sympathetic. Yeah, she tries to keep things together as best that she yeah. can, and and the part of the path pathos that's generated is is in the notion that she is making decisions based on uh, their emotional right and the best information at the time, and one of the things that struck me in this play as I read it, obviously beyond the prologue, was not only her fear and, uh, and her sort of heroic um, uh, drive to stay the course, right. Uh, and to keep this family together, um, but was uh, this idea of she's uh, c constantly getting messages, delivering messages, hearing what people are saying. So there's notions of truth and, and lies and, and, and so on, right? Uh, she's listening and speaking. And right? that is a big theme of this play is the idea of what do you know and what don't you know, the, yeah. the, the truth and the lies, because it's an ever-shifting ground. Yeah. The minute that you think you know something that, yeah. and what's happening in this play, it shifts and it's not quite what you thought it was. Right. And so um, over the course of the play as well, she has to deal with, with the revelation of a number of truths. Totally, and you get um, you get a taste of that in the prologue even. Yeah. And, and, and that ultimately, it, in the prologue when it talks about, you know, it sets it up and it says a long time ago someone first said, you can't know a person's life before that person has died. Those are the first three, you know, three lines of the prologue. Mm -hmm. Only then can you call it good or bad. So already there's an expectation about a question, a universal question. Will this be a good life or will this be a bad life? Right? Well, am I at the beginning or am I at the end? And then look at that. And last she gives us her own answer. Yeah. I've come to death's house and I can tell that mine is heavy and sorrowful. Right. Yeah. So she's she feels like she's um, she's looked death in the face and her life mm -hmm. um, has not been the happy life. No, it hasn't. And and if you jump ahead slightly to line 26 on the prologue as well, you begin to see a little bit more of, of the source of that. And um, when it says that she, you know, of course, she sank down overwhelmed with terror, lest my beauty should end up bringing me pain. And this idea of her great beauty being the source of male attraction, being the source of heroic attention, being the source of this contest, right? It's something That's that... That's what we see with Helen. It last comes with in Helen. Her, in her last episode. Yes, and also it, it pops up with Ioli in here too, the, the woman who's brought into the house that generates this, the, um, this problem right yeah this contest of a different of a different character and if you just read past that slightly a little bit more you begin to see that she says um, but Zeus 
right? Zeus is mentioned in the prologue, right? Mm -hmm. It says, but Zeus, line 25, of the contests made the end good, right? And then there's a light pause, and it says, if the question has been raised, if it has been good, right? And she's talking about the contest uh, between the river god and Heracles. Right? And that was actually just what I was wanting to get to, is yeah. that contest... Because she's not an active party in this. And no. we wouldn't expect her, um, knowing what we know of Greek, ancient Greek attitudes towards women and towards marriage. And we've seen this in other myths that we've talked about with the marriage. A marriage is an arrangement between two men about who's going to yeah. <laughs> have the man's daughter. Yeah. Um, and... That's the case here, that this is, this is decided, her, her marriage, her fate is decided in a way that she has absolutely no control or input over it. Mm -hmm. And granted, the results are probably much more palatable to be married to Heracles than to a river monster. Mm -hmm. But he's not... River god. God, sorry. Yeah. He looks like a monster. Sure. Anyway, so there's a fine line. But that's another... Mm -hmm. <laughs> that'll be another mm -hmm. uh, discussion. Um Heracles is motivated by the contest, not by the prize of the contest, I think. Yes. He's he's somebody who can never say no to a he's fight. He's just going by. And he wants his glory. Yeah. And so he comes by. And look, there's there's um, a maiden in distress. Totally. Classic. He doesn't really Archetype. care about the maiden. Yeah. But he's like all like, okay, I can show off and I can, I can be the heroic one here. Yeah. And by the way, you won. Here's your prize. Go yeah. home. And... So, Heracles, how would that make you feel? Yeah, and yeah. Her Heracles isn't with her be necessarily because he wants to be with her, and right. I think she knows that. Yeah, uh, she's realistic about it, and and I think that that's where a lot of that fear and anxiety stems from. Mm -hmm. Is how can she keep Heracles in love with her, mm -hmm. and if if Heracles is still alive, because mm -hmm. that's of course the big the big question that we have here as we're talking about end of life. Sure, is that she doesn't even know if her husband, mm -hmm. Heracles, is still alive. And um, it's been without, some time. without the man, um, the Greek wife is lost. She's really defined, she's defined by her relationship to either her father or to her husband. Right. And uh, so that's a significant. And the issue of their emotional, their, the issue of their emotional uh, 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 connection in this is, uh, what you're talking about we don't know it's ambivalent yeah. it, we don't know does he love her if did he ever love her did she seems to care about him right uh they have a child together they have you know she she's going through this process but you know he's he's a, he's a hero and heroes and husbands don't work right? well and she says she says elsewhere um and of course i can't put my finger right on the line at mm -hmm. the moment but um when when the captive women show up, mm -hmm. she says, like, you know, I'm used to Heracles having other women. I accept yeah. that. Yeah. I can live with that. Mm -hmm. But I'm his wife. Sure. And so, she sympathizes with Ioli. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so, the women. So she's not, she's not blind. No. She's not, she's not blind to what, Her what, to what Heracles no. does it, or his personality. His and we style. certainly know from myth that yeah. he is a womanizer. It, yeah, totally. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, the, these these relationships are are fraught with danger. They are far from traditional, but that what's that's what makes them exciting, and that's what makes them interesting, and that's why we read about them and study them. 
and and this this young uh, girl, this young wife, right, won in a contest. And when we we see the language uh, of uh, the prologue, where Zeus is named as um, Zeus of the contests, right, made mm-hmm. good the end. And uh, this word contest is not the same word uh, that we would find in uh, the Agon of okay. the Homeric literature. We would find the word uh, athlema here, which it means contest, but uh, it is more athletic. It is more um, we're, uh, in the sense of modern, I mean, ancient athletics. It's a test of skill, a test of arete. Like you said, he happened to be going by. He sees the classic damsel in distress, learns about it, right? And sees a challenge, right? And a, mm-hmm. and a way to express his chaos. Um, and uh, it's not a battle, right? Uh, in the sort of Homeric sense, but it's more like a wrestling match. It's more mm-hmm. like a boxing match. And um, in this case, uh, Danera is the prize, right? She is the athla. Right, and he is the athlete. Mm-hmm. Right, so the contest is called the athlema. You have an athlete, and then you have an athlon, which or athla. I mean the the prize itself, and that dehumanization, right, uh, makes her well. It it fills her with dread. It's the source of much of her angst. Right, mm-hmm. how does it feel? This is a totally one-sided relationship. Right, she gives everything. What does Heracles give? Well, Question she mark, right? well she says. He give, if anything, he gives her fear, or he causes her to yeah, be sleepless fearful. nights and, and she bad uses, dreams. She uses the agrarian metaphor yeah. for marriage about the field being yeah. cultivated. Mm-hmm. So, he, um, she t- talks about a farmer working an outlying field, mm-hmm. and the imagery there is the farming in the ancient world, to my understanding. You lived in the village, and mm-hmm. then in the daytime, you went out to where your fields were and worked there and then you came back to the village because it's safety in numbers and that kind of thing. Sure. Um, so she's some field that's far away yeah. and from time to time the farmer comes mm-hmm. and um, plows it and sows it yeah. and reaps it. Yeah, and so, yeah. yeah, so she's being neglected. Mm-hmm. Um, they have children. Mm-hmm. Which and, he and sees... Hylas is a young man so it's been some time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and she says, like, he sees them sometimes, but, mm-hmm. you know, I, it would be like, I guess, you know, somebody who's always traveling for business. He's sure. always traveling to mm-hmm. uh, to comp- to compete in different contests, yeah. to find his various heroic yeah, It's a practice ventures. heroics. Yeah, yeah. They, that's what they do. They Shelf don't stay home. Off. They move yeah. about, right? She says, this has been his life that only brings him home to send him out again to mm-hmm. serve some man or other. Right. She understands See, that she understands the heroic lifestyle, mm-hmm. right? And she's unapologetic for it, and she wants to make it work. Mm-hmm. She has this sort of singular quality, almost like Andromache, who recognizes the heroic world of Hector, yeah. right? And talks about it. But <clears throat> the two can't mix, right? It won't work. So we know that it's going to generate tragedy. Yeah, like we're we're just in for it. Like everybody knows, and you know how it's going to manifest itself. You got to read twelve hundred lines of the play in order to figure it out, right? But yeah. this will be this will this will be the this woman will be the transform transformative piece, right? That that will be res- she will be responsible for. Uh, you could very easily say Heracles's greatest moment, right? Mm-hmm. Because she is 
Deanera. She is the husband killer. She is the manslaughterer. And what happens in a demigod when you slay the man? You're only left with the god. You're left with the god, yeah. right? But we, we, th this tradition of Heracles' apotheosis is something that everybody in the audience would know and everybody would be familiar with Deanera, right? But what is the different, what is the Sophoclean wrinkle? Exactly. Right? Um, uh, yeah, th that's well, what's, what's the new part? Yes, so this is how, how it comes about is, is the new part for mm -hmm. Sophocles. So what happens in this play is that Deianira, uh, when she is confronted with the uh, prospect of sharing his wife with a mistress, mm -hmm. instead of um, trying to destroy Ioli, she decides to ensure Heracles' love. And by doing, and, and to do so, she takes some of the centaur's blood um, that had been given to her by Nessos, mm -hmm. who tried to attack. It's a, it's a bit of a convoluted story, but basically after the wedding, um, Heracles and Deanira had to cross this river and sure. the centaur Nessos took Deanira on his back. Yeah. In the middle of the river, the myth goes, he tried to have his way with Deanira sure. and Heracles, yes, and mm -hmm. Heracles shot him with an arrow. Yep. And as he lay dying, he told Deanira, gather up some, some of my blood and if Heracles ever if you're ever worried about him loving you use it as a love potion as a love charm yeah and it will work <laughs> and so she does this and she's so she has this love charm that she's been sitting on for her time of need and she decides now instead of trying to destroy Ioli and the other women that she's going to try to ensure Heracles' love for yeah. her. And that's where we see maybe a difference from her and, and somebody like Medea, who would be very vengeful and act out. Yeah. Um, we wow. see a more sympathetic <coughs> um, figure. So in the epic tradition, interestingly, um, like in Hesiodic's, uh, um, in the Hesiodic uh, catalog of women, um, the story is that Deanira knowingly and deliberately devises the cloak with this charm and she's very vindictive and she is going to kill, um, she's going to destroy Heracles and she knows what's going to happen. Right, she knows it's a This is a deliberate thing. Yes. In the Sophoclean version, she is innocent here. She doesn't understand, doesn't mm -hmm. know that with the centaur being Heracles' enemy, that this is probably not a very good idea, <laughs> and that this this um, potion is going to lead to a very agonizing death for Heracles. Mm -hmm. So we see a shift in the story sometime, um, from, from what I read, sometimes somewhere kind of around the fifth century, just prior, so sometime pr prior to, to Sophocles, mm -hmm. of Deanira from this vengeful, vindictive woman into yeah. an innocent, a tool, really, yeah. of of the centaur, a woman who it, who doesn't know what she's doing, who <laughs> this is kind of my corner. A woman who doesn't know what she's doing is messing with pharmaca, and it always ends poorly for the man. Yeah, Sophocles softens yeah. her character, softens her myth, and makes her much more sympathetic to the audience. Yeah. And and you can see a woman here who uh, whose um, decisions are uh, based on uh, the sort of emotional quality that we talked about earlier mm -hmm. and the and the and the the knowledge that she has at the time you know yeah she doesn't have the foresight to look to look ahead 
Uh, she she has the deductive capacity to look back. Uh, she talks about good news, right? A and um, in this play, often this is a theme, like the light of the sun brings good news, right? That, o that, that truth is spoken openly for people to hear, right? Uh, and that things like subterfuge or lies or, or things that are in shadow or in darkness are linked with, um, of course, with deception, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and um, and, the pl and the ultimately the, the death of Heracles, right? So that's a, that's a very interesting kind of take on it. So I wanted to take a minute and just um, get, just have a look again at mm -hmm. the prologue. Mm -hmm. um, the prologue in the Greek play, as we probably said before, that's like the most important part to read is the prologue because it tells you kind of the who, what, where, when, why of, of the story often mm -hmm. or, or enough of it that, that you can get your head around it. Mm -hmm. So she mentions here that Heracles has killed the mighty, um, oh, I'm going to blank on the pronunciation. If it is? Yep. Yeah. Okay. What line is it? Um, it's around line 36. Okay. Now he wins through to the end of all his labors. Yep. And now I find I am more than ever afraid. Ever since he killed the mighty Iphitus, we, his family, live here in Trachis, a stranger's guest, forced to leave our home. Mm -hmm. So, who is Iphitus and why does it matter? Why are they in exile? Yeah, that's a strange bird. It's, it, there's a lot going on. You know, I could make it more complicated than we need to, but Iphitus is the son of Eurytus, right? And uh, Heracles is, uh, Heracles killed Iphitus, he threw him from a wall. And uh, for this, uh, he was uh, sent, uh, cursed by Zeus, because he, uh, Zeus blamed him for killing him by guile, which I thought was fascinating, because uh, guile is linked to Matus, and it's a feminine quality. And uh, so Zeus, um, you know, punishes his own demigod son uh, by, by, um, what's the term um, he makes him a bondsman a slave to Umphali a Lydian queen right and uh, and, Her and Heracles serves his time uh, in her court doing whatever it is that they wish to do uh, but all the while you know he's you know angry about what Eurytus Eurytus had done and once he's finished he raises a mercenary army and levels his uh, so Lycus the messenger I mean Lycus the herald tells us that he raises a mercenary army and levels his city. The real motivation is that he saw he saw Ioli and he mm -hmm. said I need to have that woman right mm -hmm. I, I, and then so what's he do? He destroys a whole polis to, to, to take her right mm -hmm. uh, with an army that he raised of course right uh, but that that Iphitus is the son of that man right and they're all dead now mm -hmm. right because of uh, Heracles' passion right? and I think um, by having that here mm -hmm. in the prologue, I could be completely wrong mm -hmm. here, um, but with Daniel talking about her own fears, I think that that highlights the difference between her and Ioli. She in the play doesn't know what's going to happen, but the audience is going to be familiar with the myth, and they're going to know that Heracles did this for the sake, d destroyed the city to get um, to get the daughter. To Ioli. get Ioli? Yeah. Yeah, maybe. What do you think? That it maybe provides, I don't know. Well, well hey, when you're yeah. married to a heroic uh, a husband, yeah. right, it just, their actions have repercussions yeah. back home. He's yeah. not there, but their world complicates itself as yeah. a result of his actions. They're not connected yeah. nor visible, but their situation becomes problematized just because of what he's doing, right? And his thought process and his, his, re his uh, actions... Uh, 
cause problems for our hero here, Dayanara, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And but but it also highlights mm-hmm. the circumstance of Dayanara's marriage. Dayanara as as a kind of side effect of the con- of, of of a contest. Yeah. Compared to Ioli being the purpose of well, a contest. Yeah, they have that in common. Yeah. That's part of the nature yeah. of their sympathy, right? There's something yeah. about there's something about Ioli and and the and the women that are brought, the captive women yeah. that are brought back. That that when Dayanara looks upon her, she says, "You're like me. I'm getting older, right? And this young flower, this is the one that often men have their attention for, right? Mm-hmm. And now she starts to think, right? What can she do, right? And mm-hmm. she doesn't have that sort of heroic." trip line that you talked about with Medea that begins to automatically turn into the sort of wrath withdrawal or return or trigger that heroic angst to move it into wrath. She sort of stays in the domestic and utilizes mm-hmm. pharmaca. Medea does too, yeah. right? But it doesn't have that undercurrent, right? There's yeah. no anger uh, that comes from her. Yeah. Right? And uh, she is stalwart and noble, right? And aristocratic, right? A lot of those things are similar that we, we, we chose to highlight when we talked about Megara, right? There's mm-hmm. a fatalistic quality to both of these women, right? They seem to be, these types of women seem to be the types of women that Heracles attracts or Heracles is attracted to. And that's a psychologically modern concept. I don't want to go down that road, yeah. but that, that they seems to work. We're talking about pattern behavior, right? Well, why don't we move ahead sure, and let's do it. look at... Um, a passage that Daniera speaks mm-hmm. um, about Ioli. Mm-hmm. And so this is line 436 in okay. my translation. By Zeus, who flashes lightning over the topmost glen of Oita, do not cheat me of the truth. Speak, and you will find that I am not a spiteful woman, nor one who does not know how it is with man. We cannot always enjoy a constant happiness. How foolish one would be to climb into the ring with love and try to trade blows with him, like a boxer. For he rules even the gods as he pleases, and he rules me. Why not another woman like me? You see that I would be altogether mad to blame my husband, because he suffers from this sickness, or that woman. She has been guilty of nothing shameful, and she has done no harm to me. No, it is inconceivable. If you have learned to lie from him, then you are not learning honest lessons. If you school yourself in this fashion, you succeed only in seeming dishonest when you are trying to be decent. Tell me the whole truth. To gain the reputation of a liar is utter dishonor for a free man. You cannot think that I will not hear. There are many men to whom you have spoken, and they will tell me. Are you afraid of hurting me? You are wrong. The only thing that could hurt would be not to know. Where is the danger in knowing? One man and many women, Heracles has had other women before. Never yet has one of them earned insults from me or spiteful talk, nor will she, even if she is utterly absorbed in her passions. For I pitied her deeply when I saw her because her own beauty has destroyed her life, and against her will this unfortunate girl has sacked and enslaved the land of her fathers. Now let all this flow away on the wind. To you I have this to say. You may be dishonest with others, but never lie to me. All right. There it is. There it is. That's that's Diana, Diana trying to get to the truth of the matter, right? She wants the whole truth, nothing but the truth, so help you God. She There's wants- two men in front of her, Lycus the Herald and the Messenger. And the Messenger seems loyal, and he, 
he's delivering an alternate version of the story. Mm-hmm. Lycus, li, li, it's Lycus, right? Is that his name? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Lycus. Mm-hmm. Lycus it told a pretty good story, right? Everything but was all, he crossed all the, yeah. the T's and dotted all the I's. But then that guy's thinking in his head, hey, just a few hours ago over in a field or wherever it was, in the Agora and Trachus, you were talking a very different story. Yeah. Right? And you didn't relay that proper information to her, to, to my mistress. We want to get to the truth. And this is the other thing, too, and, and this is a Sophoclean theme. You know, everyone thinks truth is great. Right? Mm-hmm. It's not. Right? There is good news and there's bad news. Just because you're learning the truth of the matter, sometimes ignorance can be bliss. Yeah. Right? You don't want to know everything. It's like prophecy. People are like, oh, prophecy would be great to know the future. Greek myth says, no, it's not. Right? You can't know everything. Right? And if you do, or try to, tragedy un- ensues. Right? Vision is the same way. It's not an unmitigated sense. When I see something terrible, I see something terrible, right? It affects me. When I hear a terrible truth, it affects me. When I learn an ill prophecy, it can destroy my future. Mm-hmm. So all these expositions, all these quests for knowing and truth that are sort of thrown out by these characters and by these playwrights that are exposed for us to think about, the Greeks are fascinated with it, mm-hmm. right? What is the nature of knowledge? Why do I want to know those things? Do I really need to know that? Should I see that? Should I learn that? Right? Well, Diana wants to know the truth. She does, and she wants to get to it. Right? She's been presented with these with these two two versions, yeah. and she wants to get to the root of who are these women? What is the story behind this particular woman? Right. Who we know who we as the audience know as Ioli, mm-hmm. the the princess, mm-hmm. and what's really happened here. And you see that she she says to the men these these things that we were just talking about yeah. before we read the passage. She's not going to turn go after Ioli. the The woman is in no danger from her. No, um, because Deonera accepts that it's, Her- no it's Heracles, and she likens it to a sickness. Yeah. like it's 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 not his fault. Um, mm-hmm. And it's a sickness, so I don't blame him for it. And it's not her fault either. She has a lot of sympathy for Ioli. That um, she, through no fault of her own, has destroyed her country. Her has destroyed her city. Um, yeah, that's that's, she's a, got that's a good point. There. Yeah, there, there, there. You often see, you know, these these women in myth are often responsible for the destruction of a larger community, even the terrible tragedy of of a, a whole polis coming to ruin as a result of a, of a, of a, a woman or in, often even as well a man's uh, infraction. I like how she talks about, she, I would say that she sees Ioli as a kindred spirit, mm-hmm. a younger version of herself, someone that she can sympathize with. Because when she does say on line 465 that she has pity for her deeply when she saw her, again about mm-hmm. seeing things, right? And her own beauty, her, Ioli's own beauty, has destroyed her life and against her will, Mm -hmm. right? And that mirrors, parallels directly line 26 from the prologue, when she fears herself, my beauty should end up bringing me pain. Yeah. Right? So she sees, she said that of her in the beginning of the story, in the prologue. She was fearful that her her own beauty would bring her pain, and it has, right? Mm -hmm. And now she sees this beautiful young girl, this, this maiden, Ioli, right? And she recognizes, again, a kindred spirit, right? An unfortunate girl, 
right? Someone um, who she uh, can have pity on, mm -hmm. right? And that's a, and that's a well, that's an advanced trait, right? But I like to back up a little bit more, yes. just to the beginning. And when she evokes Zeus, of course, because uh, Zeus is the god of oaths. And this is a herald, this is a messenger, right? And we're trying to get to some idea of truth here. Um, do not cheat me of the truth, right? Don't hold it back. And, and like I was saying before about her equality in connection to a character like Andromache in Book 6 of the Iliad, she comes right and says she's not a spiteful woman, right? So this is the idea yeah. about this, and this is not going to turn into, into anger, right? She says, nor is she ignorant about a man's nature or a human nature, right? My translation says yeah. human nature. Your fusis, right? Yeah, and she says it's it's foolish to try to battle with yeah. love. Like love's gonna do whatever it wants. Right. Love we've got goodness knows from myth mm -hmm. um, that love rules even the gods yes. as he pleases. That's and what she gets me. into. Yeah. yeah. And so right away you're no you're 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 firing on like Homeric hymn to Aphrodite and the effect yep. of Cyprian Aphrodite and the language goes back again to the prologue it goes back to the um, the, the language of the contest again mm -hmm. right because it uses explicit right uh, athletic uh, terminology yeah. she says I'm like a boxer like a boxer to trade blows with him like a boxer right this isn't a battle right this is this is a it's a battle but it, it's it's a it's an athletic contest right it's mm -hmm. you know you get in there and you beat the hell out of somebody right that's what yeah. this is about right and then the my translation is capital l for love so we're yeah. talking about personification of eros right and the, the pronoun he is used here but as we've learned later on it, it goes back and forth yeah. and talks about aphrodite as being the victor in this uh, contest right so um yeah the athlema athlema says with love and try to trade blows with him like a boxer for he rules even the gods as he pleases and he rules me why not another woman like me see mm -hmm. that's that's Ioli and why not another woman like me we know right maybe in, in you notice how she doesn't say another man like a woman or man she only says woman right no, yeah. another woman right uh, another woman knows love yeah. right yeah, this is a feminine aspect yeah. right that's like this eros like we know about Hesiod and, and all that stuff. We talked about that before, but the erotic quality is the feminine quality, mm -hmm. right? There, um, and and this is this is what she's talking about here. She's she recognizes it in another, right? Uh, and uh, it generates sympathy for her. Right? And she does say that you know, um, I I would be altogether mad to blame my husband because he suffers from this sickness, sickness. right? Mm -hmm. So it's it's the it's the the metaphor of disease, right, and pharmaca, right. And and I was just gonna say the irony is yeah. that you want to cure a disease. Pharmaca, you know me and yeah. uh, and the topic of pharmaca. Right. Um, yeah, that you would use it's you up, pharmaca yeah. to cure a disease, but pharmaca can also be a poison. Pharmaca yeah. has has different meanings. So yeah. um, I find I find her. The choice there to describe it as a sickness. Yeah. Um, I don't know what the word would be. Maybe a little bit of foreshadowing or a little um, for for the audience yeah. that there's going to be pharmaca, but it's not going to be the kind of pharmaca that's going to 
Um, <laughs> just I don't know. Maybe it's it not going to work. It's not going to work out <laughs> well. The, the, the ancient but audience, but it does kind of does in the end in some oh, ways. It, it, for totally, Heracles, it totally does, because, but it's totally understandable. Can, yeah, right. Because this, this is not a foreign practice. Everybody deals with pharmaca. Yeah. It, yeah. curses, consecration tablets, yeah. have whatever. It's it's part of the it's of it's part of their thing, right? It's a world of myth, yes, but it's also a world of magic and superstition and pharmaca and all that um, charms and spells yeah. are. Are as real and as pharmaca is what you use. The nose those, on my face, in those right? Potions yeah. and charms and yeah, spells, absolutely. And then, then in the next line, which I um, a word that I find really interesting, there is she has been guilty of nothing shameful. Yeah, and so that it to me evokes heroic language. Yep about shame culture and sure. about perception of one by others sure, why not? which is a really awkward way to say that yeah. but yeah but how one is perceived by others that's where you get your chaos and, and and your glory and she's saying look this this woman she has been guilty of nothing, nothing shameful. shameful yeah yeah and she's done no harm if anything the guilty party would be her husband yeah right but even she's giving him a pass yes. and saying he's not really in control of his actions yeah. He's under some sort of miasmatic cloud, yeah. right? And then my, my perception, my knowledge of human nature and my knowledge of pharmaca will be the unique key to open this lock, to solve this riddle, right? To cure this patient, right? Yeah. Or something like that, right? Yeah. And, 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 but it doesn't work, right? This is yeah. the setup. And then we're going to get the turn, right? We're going to get the turnaround because it, it w what he talks about, right? I do want to mention, though, yeah. um, that as I'm reading and thinking about this uh -huh. and putting it into the... Um, Framing the, heroics? He, well, just thinking about the language and the vocabulary and what is w what is happening here, yeah. that he is being excused, that he, um, he, he's done this horrible thing, oh, yeah. but he can't help himself. And yeah. this is a... He's getting past. I, but I just want to say yeah. it's, it's uncomfortable. Uh-huh. When you become aware of things of of rape culture mm -hmm. in our society and how we excuse behavior, yeah. and here we're seeing in the exact genesis. same yeah. thing. Not even its genesis. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it goes back yeah. be, be before this. But yeah. here we're seeing in something that's what two thousand five hundred years old, or almost, almost, I guess, sure. almost twenty four hundred um, yeah. years old. Um, these exact same ideas that. You know, you're you're not always in. in oh, I understand in, in, in what you're control. going at. Now you're see, talking about like see, modern for, psychological for, yeah, analysis. Like as, yeah, you know, for, for, from a modern yeah. feminist perspective, right. it's really uncomfortable right. dealing with it. Right. And, and I just wanted to to just take a minute to acknowledge yeah, that. Totally. You, you know, you make excuses. You blame yourself yeah. for the actions of others. Yeah, yeah and totally. you make excuses yeah. where excuses shouldn't be made. Right. Yeah, yeah you, you, it, it is real. It happened, yeah. and you need to deal with it. Yeah, right? yeah. Instead yeah. of going, ah, oh, it's in his nature. He's sick. Yeah, right? yeah. Or, or I he can't help it. He can't love, help it. Love made him do yeah, it. Right. right. And exactly. Yeah. It's, yeah, yeah. It's like those trite yeah. cliches you see, yeah. where it's things like, you know, love endures, or um, you know, yeah. um, whatever. You know, like yeah. just, just stick it out, tough it up, kind of thing. Yeah. Right. That's, that's so I just wanted to acknowledge mm -hmm. that for for our listeners uh, as well that um, we're obviously dealing with an ancient source, but we're but we see some of those those same attitudes that we deal with today. Yeah. Well, you know, what are our options really? Yeah. Like in the reality of the situation? Well, they're right? even less than, than what she would have in today, right? Like totally. Yeah. She's she's dependent on on him for everything. For for yeah, yeah exactly right. for everything. Yeah. Anyway, um, just want to mention that. So uh, uh, let's uh, jump ahead to another section. Okay. Um, I think what 
what we should see here is after, well, she says, you know, tell me what, everything that's going on. And uh, no. right, this man is doing his job to the best of his ability. If he made an error, right, his hamarsha, for lack of a better word, was trying to protect Dayanera, mm -hmm. right? And just like we talked about in the Homeric Hymn to Demeter, sometimes we lie to the people we love, mm -hmm. right? And we do it because, well, because we love them, right? Mm -hmm. And they don't need to know the whole truth because sometimes that truth can change things, mm -hmm. right? So Lycus doesn't tell her the whole truth, and that is that Ioli is the motivation, right? Yeah. For the destruction of that city, right? And that he intends to make her, he feels, into his new bride. So at line 475, mm -hmm. Lycus says, a terrible longing ran through Heracles, and it was for this girl. Yeah. Because of her, Ocalia, the land of her fathers, was overthrown by his spear and, and great and destruction. Great dis destruction. destruction. Yes. And that goes right back to what we were just talking about mm -hmm. in the prologue with the situation of Daenerys' marriage where she's the consequence of a contest. Yeah. Whereas with so Ioli, but... but Mm -hmm. In a different way, yeah. because he sets out to win Ioli, oh, yeah. yeah. whereas the sense with, <laughs> Daenerys, with Daenerys is yeah. that he won the contest, and yeah. so then he got stuck with the prize, oh, totally. yeah. right? The prestige of acquisition. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Like, how did I get it? It's like, oh, he went out of his way. I don't know. Yeah. This Ioli's was a deliberate like choice. That. She's yeah. not going to think like that. We're going to twist it that way, but, but she she's just in the uh, uh, mechanism here, um, but... Uh, but as far as Dan Aris' thought process, you could very easily say, oh, look at this, right? Yeah, I just, a few lines earlier, I sympathized with her. And now this man is confirming my worst fear. I Now I know the truth, the terrible truth. Am I good enough? I'm old. I'm getting older. Look how young she is. Look how beautiful yeah. she is, right? And what did he do? Heracles went out of his way to win her. And, and whether and he destroyed a city in order to do it. And how did he win me? Ex exactly, right. and, and 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 to what degree Daniela yeah. is is thinking of that mm -hmm. in some ways doesn't really matter because we as the audience we'll get can, it, we get it. Yeah, exactly, we'll, we'll get it. and we're like, yeah. well, no wonder she's worried and anxious yeah. and stressed it, out. It all informs her decision making yeah. process, right? Everyone, when you're looking at heroics, it's like motive pops up all the time. Why do they do what they're going to do? Why is she doing this? Why does yeah. she think this way? Well, that's one more, you know, that's one more uh, uh, clue, mm -hmm. right? Uh, that that gives you a little bit of insight into Daenerys' character, right? And her and response it, to that... It's not diabolical. She says, yeah. um, these are, uh, you may be Northern sure Northern. I shall not choose to add to my afflictions hopeless resistance yes, to, to the, the gods. gods. Yeah. Now let us go into the house. I have messages for you to carry, and yeah. there are gifts to match the gifts you, you brought. brought. Yeah. You, it, it would not be right to leave empty-handed when you came so well provided. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So... She's going to follow all the protocol. She's going to exchange gifts, get gifts. from. She's, she's received gifts. Now she's going to give gifts. But right away, right, that giving of that gifts, there's that guile mm -hmm. kicking in, right? And Matus, Matus is good, right? It's you, Right away, when you, if, you, if you look at it and people say, okay, Matus, quickly define it. Well, cunning intelligence, right? Cunning and guile often have a negative quality attached to it, right? But it's also resourcefulness. That her decision to exchange gifts, and that line right there, the difference between, mm -hmm. you know, 15 lines, Dan Era immediately, using her, her, uh, her maid yeah. right? She immediately says, I know what I got to do, right? Pharmaca, right? I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to ensure his fidelity. 
Right. What what I like here is the um, the compare uh, comparison is not really the word I'm looking for, That's but the contrast maybe with Medea. We have two women. Oh, you're right, <laughs> Medea. Yeah. I, well, you know me. Yeah. Okay, so we have two women who are trying to use what is within yeah. their resources Absolutely. as Greek women, mm -hmm. resources of the home. And pharmaca is one of those resources um, accessible to women. Yeah. And they are using this, and they both <laughs> use it spread on robes. <laughs> they do. I thought you were going to say spread on toast. Yeah, no, spread on robes. Spread on robes. Yeah, it's always that about clothing. That leads to a Women fiery, clothing, a fiery, a fiery melting destruction, mm, yeah. right? Acidic, so bubbling, flaming that, ruin. And yeah. from what I have read, um, I not, not, last night. Yeah, yeah. not that I have read extensively of this, but I um, apparently this is a, a trope or a motif. This mm -hmm. idea of poisoned clothing is yeah. something that comes up in other cultures as well sure. as a way to destroy somebody. And the thing with both Medea and Deanera is that the garment, the robe is the wedding is the wedding robe. Yeah. In some of these earlier traditions of, of, of Deanera, um, I don't think Sophocles makes it makes it as clear, but the tradition um, in 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 some of the earlier tellings of Deanira is that it's her robe that soaks up Nessos's blood, sure. her wedding robe, mm -hmm. and that, then that is what she is giving to Heracles at this point. Yeah. Um, in Sophocles, she is taking the blood and spreading it on something on on a robe with with. Um, Yes, with some cotton wool, but there's still that idea of the robe and the wedding and and, and marriage there too, mm -hmm. and that it's going to be this, love this, this, <laughs> and marriage that destroys him. <laughs> this item of domestic production yeah. will serve its lethal, perverted purpose, right? And and an item associated with the getting of a husband yeah. is leading to the destruction, destruction of, of a husband. husband. Yeah, in truly Dan era, right? Yeah, um, the. Uh, yeah, th that's a it's that's a, a, a whole complex of ideas around weaving, domestic production, the incorporation of pharmaca, the the expected beneficent beneficent benefit benefit of pharmaca, the positive and and the dark underside of it as well. Mm -hmm. Because you talked about poisons, mm -hmm. right? The perverted domestic, right? Um, so w we have that too. But Danera staying in the known realm. Right? Yeah. She's staying in the light, right? She's staying in the good side of things. And with this sort of genuine intention, she wants to um, ensure the fidelity of her husband through the use of this charm, right? Um, yeah, that's cool. I, I did want to mention that line 515. Okay. We're, all, we're getting, we know we're getting close to the end of our... Oh, I don't, I can't well, even tell what time oh. it is. We're doing all right. We, we got, we got a few more minutes, but the, we don't want to take up too much more time. Right. The chorus in this play... Um, of course, are sympathetic. Mm -hmm. They are the women of Trachis, and uh, they uh, do morph at the end uh, into a slightly different crowd. But they they sympathize with Medea. <laughs> wow, Dinera. they sympathize with Danera. You. <laughs> yeah, you did. And um, at, at one particular point, when she's talking about just after Danera speaks in, uh, about four ninety five. She talks about this affliction, this hopeless resistance to the gods. Now let us go into the house. I have messages for you to carry, and there are gifts. This is the mm -hmm. robe that we just spoke about. Now the chorus begins singing. And you turn to the chorus if you want to get the sober, 
you know, idea, right, that behind the, the, that's informing the character's words. Strong is the victory of the Cyprian goddess always wins, right? So this is the beginning of setting up this idea that these intentions are based on love, right? And the best of intentions, right, can often be the path to destruction and hell, right? You know that that saying, right? Yeah. The best of intentions, The road right? to hell is paid for good intentions. With good intentions, right? I pass by the gods. I shall not tell how Zeus was tricked by her, nor Hades, who lives in the night, nor Poseidon, the shaker of the earth, but for our lady's hand, who were the two valiant contenders in courtship? Who were they who came out to struggle in bouts that were all blows and all dust? So he's talking about the original um, betrothal contest, mm -hmm. right? And and also, th she's mentioning in, in connection with that, Zeus and Poseidon and Hades, other deities of the Greek pantheon who have been influenced and affected and manipulated by love, right? Mm -hmm. And then they respond, right? You get the antiphonal response. One was a strong river with the looks of a high-horned, four-footed bull, Achilles from o the Oenidae. The other came from Thebes of Bacchus, shaking his back-sprung bow, his spears and club, the son of Zeus. And this is the second report of the contest that's mentioned in the prologue. Right here, the, the Trachinae, the women of Trachis, are talking about it. They see, right? They met together in the middle, desiring her bed. Then it says, alone in the middle with them, their referee, Cyprus, goddess of love's bed. Right? Mm -hmm. The bed is mentioned, right? Yeah. And the idea of a referee is mentioned. Right? Just to push again the athletic metaphor, it is a referee. Right? And they had referees in, in ancient athletics. They called them Helonodikai, right? And these these guys uh, you know, were responsible for making sure that people didn't break the rules. Right? Mm -hmm. So that, that thing is going through, it's running through this whole story, right? Uh, 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 an athletic contest of an athletic contest. Well, since we're almost out of time, why mm -hmm. don't we just briefly um, ta uh, talk about Daenerys death? Yeah. Um, so we're fast forwarding a bit. This uh, I, I this can just read so you four <laughs> lines. <laughs> we we can talk about what this play for did. hours. Okay, go says, for it. I have kept hidden in a copper urn for many years the gift of a centaur long ago. And while I was still a child, I took it from the wounds of the hairy-chested Nisus as he was dying. He used to ferry people for a, for a fee across the deep flood of the Evanus in his arms, using no oars to help him, nor ship sails. I too was carried on his shoulders when my father sent me to follow Heracles for the first time as his wife. So that's, that's where she's going. That's she introduces the centaur, right, Nisus, mm -hmm. and um, and she talks about the copper urn, right, the copper urn where she keeps what's left of Nisus's blood, right, so and the venom of the hydra mixed together. Yes. So after um, after she has sent off this cloak um, to go back as a gift yes, to Heracles, Hylos, I think. yes. Yeah. Um, she goes back into the room and realizes that the piece of cotton wool oh, yeah. that she used to, to spread, um, she says, I, I used a tuft of fleecy white wool. This piece has disappeared, devoured by nothing in the house, but destroyed by itself, eaten away. Mm -hmm. And she realizes suddenly what she has done and that she has, um, it has, she has been tricked by the centaur. And um, this, this is a really great description of it, of what happened here. Yep. In, into the f uh, when this ball of wool 
into the full heat of the, it, was, it was exposed to the full heat of the sun's rays. As it became warm, it all ran together, a confused mass, and crumbled to bits on the ground, mm-hmm. looking most like the dust one sees eaten away in, a, in the piece of wood. But yeah, from the earth, it. but from the earth on which it rests, clotted foam boils up like the rich liquid of the blue-green fruit from the vines of Dionysus poured on the earth. So we get this idea that this is not go- this is not going to do something good to Heracles. Um, so she has her guilt to cope with, her inadvertent um, guilt, and um, her her decision um, is to take her own life. Yeah. And the nurse... All that, were you struck by how fast all that happened? Like when I read it, I was like, she sends the gifts, she sees what happened, she's alone, she puts two and two together, deductive logic, and immediately... Yeah. Right. Like she just goes right to it. Yeah. Like there's there's no no hesitation, and and then the she, whole she thing doesn't even try rapidly. to send somebody yeah. after and make sure he doesn't put you no. know like like the, there's nothing that's no. just that's even that's, the report comes yeah. back fast of how yeah. how quickly Heracles was affected, you know. Yeah. Um. So the nurse reports um, around starting. Around uh, around line 900, the 900, nurse, oh yeah. the nurse reports on Daenerys' suicide because, of course, as with most uh, deaths in Greek tragedy, it happens off stage, and yeah. you hear about it, and it's rather poetic. It is poetic in not necessarily a beautiful way. It's heroic. <laughs> it's heroic. Yeah. Yes. Um, a heroic death. She dies as a heroic man. Um, so Heracles, so the interesting comparison here is, of course, Heracles dying, whimpering and crying, or mm-hmm. sort of dying. Yeah. Um, but she uh, she does the only, what she sees as the only heroic thing left to her. And on her marriage bed, she uh, impales herself with a double-bladed sword. She, um, the nurse says she has cut her side to the liver, mm-hmm. this, which they believe was the seat of life and the seat of love. Uh, with a double-bladed sword. Mm-hmm. The sword is a male heroic instrument. Totally. Um, and it also has some phallic connotations yeah, as it's well. A potent, it's so a we're on a yeah. marriage bed yeah. um, as well. So It's a self-sacrifice in, in many ways. Yeah. On, on marriage bed is a, a proxy altar for their marriage, for their relationship. Mm-hmm. This is She is as much as a sacrificial victim ultimately as, as is... Heracles himself will be in his in his deification and his transformation, right through pain, right, mm-hmm. uh, and um, she she takes her own life, right, tragically, heroically, mm-hmm. with a sword, right, plunged into the liver. You know, Allah, the liver connected with Prometheus being the source yep. of love, right. Mm-hmm. So it, she's she's killing that thing which spurred her to motivation that brought this ruin, this fall, right. Uh, but she's doing it heroically, right? And uh, you know, this will be this will be the end of it. This will this will stop. You know, this is she's putting an end to it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and they, I, I like the idea that you know, <laughs> so Sophocles mentions it says the seat of life, right? That's the mm-hmm. the liver, right? The fast way for the quick kill with a double bladed sword, double bladed. You know, why include the fact that it's double bladed? And it. it I thought it was kind of a neat metaphor in a way. It's kind of like a metonym in a way to make you think about associated uh, ideas of uh, that actions have often dual purposes, right? Mm -hmm. You know, like uh, death can lead to life. Love can lead to hate, right? This death can bring new life, and it will, right? Mm -hmm. Her her self-sacrifice, 
right, will lead to, of course, Heracles' ultimate deification, but it will also lead to Hylas and Iole's impending marriage, which will be the, they will become ultimately the fathers of the Heraclids, right? The Although as Dorian the, race. As the nurse reports, mm -hmm. Hylas suddenly sees himself as responsible yeah. because he's been the, he's been the go-between between his mm -hmm. two parents here yeah. and communication never works well no. when there's a go-between. Yeah. And so suddenly he's realizing that in his own anger about what he, what he thought Daenerys had done to Heracles on purpose, mm -hmm. that his under, that Hylas's understanding of things was not was not true. No. And now it, he's lost his mother. No, yeah, he, yeah, he hasn't figured it out. Well, he has figured it out, right? Yeah. And that's led to even more destruction. Right? Yeah. The truth is terrible. Right? So Unless you have anything else that's really pressing, I think we should probably wind it up there. Okay. And move on to our listener mail. Sure. Because that's the end of Daenerys' life, and we don't want to. We don't want to talk about Heracles. Sure. Not not on this. No, because he's on this episode. Much of what he's going on about at the end yeah. is, is is about his his apotheosis. Um, so if you want to know how it turns out, read the play. <laughs> read the read the end of the play. But hey, you know, spoiler: Daenerys kills herself. Yeah, and Heracles dies too. And Heracles sort dies too. Sort of. Yeah. Sort of. Part of him dies. Part yeah, of his him. mortal part. His mortal right? part is burned is away. Burned away. That's right. Burn away. Burn yes. away. Yeah. All Sorry. right. So let's move on to some listener mail. Listener mail. So that is our listener mail time. Yep. Your messages have been received. Telegraph lines are up and working. Yes. <laughs> old school technology. Yeah. So speaking of old school technology, Twitter. Oh, yeah, what happened? <laughs> well, we have a hashtag on Twitter, hashtag mm -hmm. MythTape. Yes. So if you want to get in touch with us that way, that's a really good way. We also have our Facebook page. Mm -hmm. And thank you for those of you who have liked it. Um, I don't think we've updated it recently. No, We should probably it, put something up there soon. Yeah, well, yeah. it needs a podcast link. Yeah. And this yeah. is it. So stay tuned, faithful listeners. I wanted to mention the Greek History Podcast, mm -hmm. we, and I believe that is done by Ryan Stitt. I hope I'm pronouncing your name right. Um, we had a, I had a conversation with him on Twitter, and you can find him on Twitter at Greek History Pod. And he binge listened to our astronomy series oh on a road trip. So thank you for your bravery. <laughs> oh I wish we had some swag to send them listening, <laughs> listening to us for that long. Yep. Um, but thank you very much. And um, we would recommend the Greek history podcast. Um, that will give you some of the historical context I've, of the kinds of things that yep. we're talking about. Because, of course, literature doesn't happen in a vacuum. Oh. And um, there's often references to what is happening in the, the, the contemporary political uh, climate of the times so i follow rick on soundcloud yeah. and i've listened to a couple of his podcasts and they're yeah. good they're really yeah good. yeah um and then you wanted um you had some rec a recommendation for literature and history well i, yeah. I i've been following literature and history.com um and i follow uh, follow their um twitter account of course and um they also have a, a really excellent uh, podcast and uh, it is packed full of, of all things uh, Greek um, and well, all things Greek and Roman uh, literature of course of, of the classical world Greco-Roman literature but also um, uh, you know you'll you'll find just as easily find podcasts on Old Testament on the Old Testament for example 
um, which is one that I was devouring recently. And uh, so I would uh, I would suggest to taking a look at literatureandhistory.com and, and, and having a listen to his podcast. It's most excellent. And I also want to recommend a podcast called Story Behind mm-hmm. um, by Emily. I didn't write down her last yeah, name. Yeah, I don't know the gentleman's but, name who does literatureandhistory.com oh, okay. either. So Yeah. Okay. But we can get Let to us it. know. Send us some listener mail well, you know, and we'll give, yeah. you, we'll give you a proper show. Well, this out. is one of the benefits of we so, put our names, <laughs> yes. you see, and they don't. So they become. Anyway, Emily things. of Story Behind Podcast. Pod, uh-huh. at, well, it's at Story Behind Pod on Twitter. Mm-hmm. Um, I listened to a couple of episodes and yeah. they're, they're short episodes. They're about 15 minutes. So they're um, a nice a nice break from our, our long epics. Yeah. Um, <laughs> kind of gives you a little background um, behind various various things, just like what it sounds like. And Emily put together some very well done uh, promo clips as well. You'll hear one um, at the end of today's show mm-hmm. for the Humanities Podcasters, yeah, which is a bit of a, a somewhat loose group, I suppose, sure. um, that we're just kind of forming up of various podcasters who are dealing dealing with humanities-related topics. And it's a network. C- yeah, a network. And you can find the network on Twitter at humcom, with two Ms, casters, or hashtag humanitiespodcasts. And um, you can... F- uh, find podcasts on history, language, literature, philosophy, art, all kinds of things. Sure. Um, Have a look. I've, I'm going to be checking out a new one um, called Lonely Palette that's about uh, art history and I um, am looking quite looking forward to that. Mm-hmm. So I think that's it for our listener mail. Yeah. Um, but thank you to those of you um, who continue to listen. And totally. we, we, we do, we do have, uh, yes, and we do have, of course, um, some regular uh, people that we're in touch with pretty regularly um, with feedback and that kind of thing. Yeah. And we, we really appreciate that, even if we don't mention you every episode. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. So that wraps it up for episode 17, Day and Era. Mm-hmm. It wraps it up for 2016. And there's nothing left to say except good night nope that's it um what's next only time will tell so hold on you never know and we'll be back in a few weeks with yeah. something new for the new year absolutely have a good night good night this podcast, you might be interested in other podcasts that focus on the humanities. In fact, if you search Twitter for the hashtag humanities podcasts, you'll find plenty of shows on history, language, literature, philosophy, art, and more. These are podcasts by people who enjoy telling stories, exploring the arts in our world, and who want to share their knowledge. Some examples of podcasts you'll find are Go Dig a Hole, an archaeology podcast, the Trojan War podcast, which retells the classic myth, and As We Like It, where three friends talk about film adaptions of Shakespeare. 
Search the hashtag Humanities Podcast today or follow Humanities Podcasters on Twitter. And if you're a Humanities Podcaster, use the hashtag in your tweets so others can find you.